back in my notes here every once in a while because I've got uh, a notebook of stickies and <laughs> you know, as I was walking by, some other thought would come up and um, you know, I'd have to write it down, just, just the thought. So uh, I'm going to try and talk about this in as uh, an orderly sort of uh, ordered, organized fashion as I can. But like I said, it's, you know, it's kind of just dropping in. So um, I'll try to talk in an organized way, but some of it I may go back and forth as well. And if you, you know, think about it, we are sort of in this spiral time now and, you know, you kind of uh, do one thing and then you kind of spiral back and you pick up another piece. So um, just remember, it may not be, may not be linear. Um, so those of you who might be joining in or watching the replay, uh, I have three, three adult children now. Uh, my oldest one is 27 and my youngest is 22. Uh, Sammy is my uh, middle daughter. So Chris, the oldest one, is uh, was diagnosed with Down syndrome uh, as a baby, and he had the heart defects, and so he had heart surgery and a lot of other medical issues and things. And then Samantha um, is going to be 24 this year, and she is diagnosed with severe uh, nonverbal autism. And uh, our youngest son, who's 22, he doesn't like me to um, mention his name. Uh, so my youngest one is uh, 22, and he's, quote, neurotypical. So I kind of had the gamut of um, these different, differently abled children who are now adults. And... They're each, each of them are, are very, very different. So I kind of watched what it was like um, in the school systems of what it was like for them growing up. So some of my observations, um, especially for uh, my youngest son, uh, I noticed some, you know, some significant things that I think that I thought about in the past. And so now I'm sort of uh, putting these pieces together, so to speak. So one thing that I noticed about sort of neurotypical, and, and again, it's in our area here, and um, I don't know what it's like in all parts of the country, or it sounds similar from what um, I hear from people. But, uh, you know, they go from like, you know, preschool, kindergarten to first grade, elementary years, you know, we really kind of coddle the kids and we tell them to dream and uh, uh, that they could be anything that they want. Um, and there's a marked shift, in my opinion, from elementary school to uh, middle school, where then all of a sudden the expectations change, you know, there's this feeling and sense from society that now they're entering adolescence and, um, you know, by now they should be able to sit still and they should be able to 
uh, process information by sitting at a desk, you know, for long periods of time, although they do move around. Uh, one thing that I noticed, you know, where my son was going to school in uh, elementary school is that they actually had recess time right before school started. So if you're, you know, you dropped your child off, if you dropped your child off uh, 15, 20 minutes earlier, there would be uh, supervision on the playground so that the kids could play, run around, and then uh, be able to go to their class. And then when they got, when he got to middle school, uh, things changed, you know, drastically. Like all of a sudden the play structures are all gone. Um, and uh, there's really no recess time. Uh, and they have had, they had half an hour for lunch. Uh, it started earlier, uh, you know, like 7.45 in the morning. And um, they had uh, 30 minutes for lunch. And some days my son, you know, would say, I didn't have time to eat lunch. You know, I'd buy him school lunch, you know, because he didn't usually like sandwiches and things. Uh, so he said, I didn't have time to eat because the line was too long. And so they would choose between playing <laughs> or eating. Uh and sometimes the kids wouldn't eat at all because it was, uh, like I said, the line was too long. And by the time they got there, it was time, it was over. And uh, so then I started, you know, just trying to pack healthy snacks in his uh, backpack um, so he could nibble throughout the day. And, uh, you know, I thought, you know, how sad that they don't allow them to run around anymore, you know. And also then um, for... Uh, my special needs kids, quote, so to speak, right? Um, they go from this environment, They for, for therapy, they would have like swings and these big, you know, kind of uh, different kinds of structures for like therapy rooms and that vestibular uh, movement kind of input and things like that. And even those would be gone by the time they got to middle school, you know? Um, where the therapist would be strang uh, uh, strangling, struggling to find a place uh, to do those kinds of things unless there was that space in that maybe a classroom in a corner or a section where they could actually put up these big swings and things. Um, and then by high school, you know, th those things are, those things are, are gone. Uh, those are things are really gone. So, you know, and I thought it was interesting that just when the kids, you know, entering middle school are in uh, a major change going through puberty, when uh, the brain is really changing and uh, the body is really changing and, and having to adapt, their bodies grow unevenly, especially with the boys, you know, uh, you see kids walking around, they got these huge feet and these uh, really, you know, maybe skinny little legs, you know, so they grow unevenly as well. And so, you know, I remember I used to think in the back of my mind, like they need to still have those kinds of opportunities to, to swing and that kind of movement, you know, and then the gym classes, you know, I don't know, most of the country, it seems like, it's not like when I was growing up where we had like a designated gym time, maybe every day in the week and there was a gym teacher and now you know, uh, since budget cuts and things, they've eliminated uh, 
depending on where you are, you know, if they don't have the budget, music and uh, physical education is one of the first things to go. Um, and so, you know, we've got these kids that are growing up uh, or the physical education, there would be like literally 50 kids in uh, middle school gym, gym class. And they were, you know, just kind of would be walking around the track or running around the track and things like that. 50 to 80 kids. I mean, that's how many kids were in the, uh, the PE class. So that's when they need to be moving. That's when they need to get their energy out. And then if you look for the neurotypical kids as well, there's also, uh, you notice that there's lots of different, well, we had lots of different kind of sports opportunities when they're in middle school, I mean, not in um, elementary school, right? Soccer and baseball and what else did they have? I mean, mainly soccer, baseball, basketball, right? They were these various activities um, uh, in the summers or after school or on the weekends and things. And... Uh, you know, not as competitive when they're younger, and then it gets more competitive as they're growing up, uh, becoming uh, teenagers, middle school, high school, and especially in the summer programs, you know, they'd have some of these summer sports programs up to 15. So now you have kids who are in high school, um, and unless you're athletic, inclined, there's no opportunities to uh, play in sports. There's no intramural sports. Um, you know, so these things just, I noticed that they just got narrower and narrow, more and more narrow. And uh, it, there's, there's a lot of drugs. I mean, it's worse than when I was growing up. I'm, I just turned 60, you know, so I grew up mainly in the my adolescent years were in the 70s um, and I went to college in the early 80s, you know, so drugs were a problem then, right? And delinquency was a problem then. And it just seems like it's gotten worse. The amount of fentanyl that's available and laced into drugs these days is, is beyond imagination. I mean, uh, I just had a friend who, whose son, uh, died in college because he got, uh, it looked like he died of uh, something that was laced with fentanyl, you know? And we say, oh, we have to educate them and they educate them about drugs and they do, they do those education. But, you know, it's not, it's not enough when it's that available and it's available in the schools uh, when, you know, you hear about the kids some of the kids themselves are the drug dealers, you know? Uh, so they can do all the education they want, but when it's that readily available, and we all know that peer pressure is uh, the most, is it's a very significant influence on our kids at that age. And to think that there are fewer opportunities for them, you know, to be supervised that we expect by the time they're, you know, 12-ish, that um, they can go, they can be by themselves at home and, uh, you know, have a key and be able to let themselves in and things, but uh, they don't have the judgment, you know, and it's different to teach about sex education and 
uh, drug education in a classroom when you're sitting versus when you're then out and, you know, facing the reality of this, you know. So it's not enough to say that it's up to the parents and they have to educate them. It's it's an entire system. And you all know that, uh, you know, and kids can get their uh, parents prescription drugs, you know, because so many more people are on prescription medications for depression, mental health reasons. There are more children, more kids who are on uh, ADD medication or ADHD medication, which, you know, is a stimulant. And so they sell those. Uh, there are fishbowl parties where it's just a bunch of pills in this fishbowl. And, you know, they think it's fun to just grab one. You don't know what you're getting and just take one. Uh, we had another girl, you know, in 2019, when my son graduated, he, she was, or the year before, well, I can't remember, but she had just graduated and she was supposed to go to college and she had a 16-year-old passenger in her car. They were high. They were on who knows what, uh, crashed into a oncoming suburban and the girl, the 16-year-old wasn't wearing a seatbelt and was killed. And she, the, the driver who was 18 and about to go to college, she was charged with manslaughter, you know? So, and the amount of uh, overdoses on fentanyl, you just hear about more and more of that. It's, it's laced into all kinds of things. You know, when I was growing up, they didn't have these home factories where you can make uh, drugs and things. You know, we didn't have some of these things that are now, uh, you know, available. I can't even remember the names there right now. But so anyway, the point is um, our system is failing all kids, you know, uh, whether they're special ed, neurotypical. I mean, it's not it's not enough what we're doing. And we know it's a societal problem. Uh, you know, it's not just the schools. It's the parents and the stressors that they're under. Uh, the amount of, uh, like I said, the amount of prescription drugs that many adults are on. I mean, I can't imagine what it's like for parents who are 20 years younger than me, tw 20s and 30s uh, and 40s, that they, you know, grew up in a different, in a different kind of world, you know, I'm really starting to realize. And a lot of these problems that, like I said, they were talking about when I was growing up, I mean, they're still here and they sound, they sound like it's worse. Uh, you know, not to mention the gender confusion. Uh, yeah. And chastity says, yeah, what is the answer to parents being off of big pharma and everyone slowing down to allow for in-home small community education for the kids? How can parents find a way to stay home with their kids? Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, uh, you know, more parents are doing that. And I, f I feel like with things breaking down, we're getting to that point where uh, enough, maybe enough of the infrastructure out there is going to break down. We're going to be forced to maybe be at home. You know, we've, we've talked about this in the other communities where, um, where the answer to get out of this is going to be about communities, your local community. Uh, and I think it's coming. 
to that point where we're going to be forced one way or another to rely more on each other. And I think this is one of the these talks of why I'm being guided to start talking about it. Um, you know, where we're going to get to that point, more parents are taking their kids out of public schools. Uh, and especially after the last two or three years, but it just, we're building up to a breaking point And I think we're going to be forced to do that. And so um, this message is about all kids, you know, um, and our education system, but it's, it's it's definitely tied then to our local community because it's about the parents too that need healing, you know, maybe themselves or how to do some of these things, you know. So um, this is where we're we're getting to. So this piece, you know, it's a bigger bigger piece uh, because it has to do with our economic system, our financial systems local community and, you know, things like that. So, you know, so I'm going to try to stay focused on this education piece because meanwhile, while things are breaking down, you know, uh, and more parents are opting for homeschooling or setting up homeschool communities, right, that um, things to consider uh, about educating um, not just the neurotypical kids, but uh, our quote special needs kids and what they have to offer, you know. So, you know, like I was saying, like I was talking about uh, in the beginning about sensory integration, right? Sensory integration for parents who have special needs children. You know what that is? Those are those are like the therapies that the occupational therapists and uh, speech therapists, you know, might do sensory integration uh, to stimulate certain senses. Uh, and and help organize. They call it organizing the brain because we get we get information from our environment through our senses, and then uh, the the neurology has to make sense of that information and put it into an sort of an organized way. Um, and I would say, from the time we're babies and we're developing into toddlers and things we're being kind of uh, groomed to narrow that sensory input and information, you know? Uh, so one of the things they say about autism, the cause of autism uh, is that um, they have too much going on in their brains and we're supposed to prune some of those connections, right? Neurological connections and then learn what to focus on in the 3D world, right? So there you have it right there. I mean, that's what they're doing, you know, basically. You're, you're, you're cutting away uh, neurological connections that really maybe uh, would contribute to more whole brain, um, whole brain kinds of processing. You know what they say, they suspect that our, uh, that we only use about 10% of our of our brain. Well, maybe the autists are using 100% of their brain for a reason, and they're not turning off those other connections, you know, so that we only learn to focus on that one thing that the teacher is telling you to focus on, that this is what's important. And it's, it's uh, the only way to think is this way, you know. Um, and ABA therapy, applied behavior analysis, which is sort of what they call 
uh, the um, uh, the mind. You know, it starts when they're um, when they're little, right? I've got. I lost my train of thought. I looked at the chat for a second. Um, so they're printing away these connections, and they're telling you what what's important. And yeah, OABA therapy. That's what they're trying to do. Is they're trying to uh, take the autistic, and they're trying behaviorally. They're trying to teach them that this is what you focus on. You know, this is what you focus on. This is what's important. Uh, but as many many parents know, that it hasn't really been successful. And some of the adults and kids who could spell are saying how traumatizing that some of those AB therapies were. Uh, and once you remove the scaffolding, meaning the environmental um, uh, parameters of the rewarding uh, reward system, that they really just revert back to their own old behavior uh, of operating in the way that they were born, you know, that they were born into. So anyway, um, the sensory integration piece uh, is important because one of the main things that I'm getting is that uh, with the more sensitive kids now and the more sensitive humans, and it's going to continue to increase, is that um, the sensory integration part should really be incorporated throughout their education, you know, uh, that it's a way for uh, many of the kids growing up to, you know, if they're learning something, if you're teaching them something, that they have that time of movement uh, in whatever they, in whatever way it may look, uh, you know, whether you're simulating them auditorily, uh, tactily, kinesthetically, uh, all those things that they're going to continue to need more. They're going to continue to need that all the way through their education system. So um, I don't know how, you know, well, it's going to, it's going to unfold. But so one thing to consider when uh, designing these kinds of programs for, you know, homeschool pr programs for the kids is to uh, incorporate these kinds of things. And if you look at that part, then it kind of go cr crosses the, it goes across the board between any ability or disability because that equipment now is available. They make swings for bigger people. You know, uh, there's a whole park here in a couple of towns over that they recently uh, built, which is for special needs, quote, special needs kids with these bigger swings and the, the vestibular uh, kinds of um, activities and things. I can't remember all the, the, the language now because it's been a few years since I've really thought about it. But, you know, they do exist. They can be made. They should be more readily available to all the kids growing up. So there's one piece, then, you know, you eliminate this uh, idea of it's, it's just for this population or that population, you know, that movement is going to become uh, increasingly more 
important for the more sensitive human. Um, and what does the more sensitive human mean? Where our senses um, are all being activated. We have many more senses than these five. I think Rudolf Steiner, Sammy said there's 12 senses. And I think Rudolf Steiner had said there's 12. Uh, I can't remember them all right now, but um, they're, they're activating. They're activating and the way we make sense of our world then needs something different. You know, I feel like even as adults, what I'm being told now uh, in the last couple of days is that we're all feeling these physical changes going on, that it's not a bad idea for you to go out there and get on a swing, you know, or do something else. The brushing, you know, uh, I know a lot of people, uh, some of you probably do the brushing for the um, uh, 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 lymphatic system, the lymph lymphatic brushing. Well, it could also be to stimulate, you know, this tactile sense, but uh, really getting the feeling of we all need sort of this uh, sensory integration piece now as uh, we're physically changing. So um, what is the uh, physical uh, changes? Well, okay, I'm looking at my notes so I, uh, so I could stay a little bit more focused. Um, Da, 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 da. Sensory integration, um, so slowing down education. Um, the curriculum we know has to change. You know, they're they're teaching problem. Well, for those of you who might be listening, may feel that uh, the curriculum needs to to change, and education needs to be slowed down quite a bit because it's it's been designed for uh, a mental kind of way of, of processing, mainly mental, without really being aware of the rest of your your body. Um, and uh, again, the information that's given, I mean, who remembers some of these things? You know, when you're kids, like you memorize it and then you forget about it, you know? Uh, so it can be slowed way down to where then, um, students are maybe learning in groups, not necessarily always by age. And I know uh, I know only, only a little bit about Montessori and Waldorf. Uh, and I think they kind of gravitate towards that kind of style of, of education. But um, this means slowing it down even, uh, even more to not necessarily what the curriculum uh, the curriculum that we've known is, but um, it's going to, uh, oh, Chastity put it in. Thank you. The 12 senses, the external world, smell, taste, sight, temperature. Okay. Yeah. And the immaterial, spiritual world, hearing, speech, thought, ego. Thank you, Chastity. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. There's there's many more senses in how we organize that infer how we organize that information. So education can be slowed way down so that they have time to physically process the information. And it also means that we need to be looking at a much longer period of education, not that finishing grades, uh, you know, one to 12 by the time they're 18, but we need a longer, they're gonna need a longer period to uh, grow into uh, adulthood. You know, many of you who are parents, you know, 
when you when they just because they turn 18 doesn't mean you send them off to college doesn't mean they're necessarily ready to be to be an adult you know there's that phase of you know what what in the world is going on yeah and wait until they they're eight to go to school that's right because they're you know they're still really developing and changing we can have communities you know where kids can can play together or have experiences you know together before the time they're eight but again right now yeah we're designed in this world where parents both parents are working or uh you know they have to work 40 hours a week you know, all that kind of stuff um that and things are rush 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 you know hurry up and get let them to grow up uh so that we can what push them out into the world and you know live a stressed out life right where it's fast-paced and uh uh, we're just really feeding the system, you know, feeding still the system. So um, slowing education down. And again, this is another part. I feel like there's ways to incorporate uh, our kids with other abilities or what we call, quote, disabilities at this point. Um, and maybe, you know, probably will go away at some point as we continue to evolve. But, you know, in the meantime, to uh, there are ways to educate them, um, especially if you don't have that pressure to perform, you know, uh, to take a test, to memorize something, or that they have to answer a question in a certain way. Those of you, you know, whose kids who are doing uh, the letter boards and um, alternatives kinds of communication uh, devices, you know that um, it can be done differently in uh, more of that classroom setting. Uh, you know, if I look at my two older kids, Chris and Sam, they went through basically no education, no formal education uh, of um, except repeating ABCs and what's the colors because they couldn't perform to answer a question, to pass a test, to let them somebody know that, okay, you understand that material. You know, it wasn't until the letter boards, we discovered the letter boards that they had been listening all along. And, you know, we're taking in information all along. So, um, uh, and some kids learn by moving, you know, they look like they're not listening, but they are taking the information in. The other part is that uh, energetically, we're going to become more aware of our energy uh, bodies, meaning not just the physical body, but that we have these layers of other energetic bodies, you know, and some, you know, can learn in stillness and others need to keep moving in order to uh, process that information again. So it comes down to, again, let them move, you know, or have those sensory integration kinds of activities to uh, integrate the information, right? Um, yeah, they'll need more time to, to uh, grow and learn the information. Um, the other part that is becoming more active is um, is this growing awareness 
that each of us are, are different even energetically. And so what um, each student might be doing energetically or the energy field that they hold might have a contribution. You know, like uh, only recently did it really come, the light bulb go off in my head that between Chris and Sam, you know, uh, two very, very different individuals energetically um, where Sam is uh, working with really, really high frequencies. It's, things are going really fast, you know, energetically. And Chris is is slow. His energy is slow the, in his body. It moves slow. But in some way, they're like opposites, but it kind of brings kind of a balance, you know, in our home that um, it's been a way for Sam to kind of uh, exist in a way because he's holding kind of a slower heart-based frequency in our energy. So um, I think more teachers and educators, it's going to challenge them to learn more about, uh, you know, the, the energy field, that the energy field that uh, each student may be bringing to the group and uh, what they do. Hi, Marianne, I'm glad you could join us. Um, so uh, the energy field is different, the human energy. And some of our kids, as things are really opening up, I mean, it's getting even bigger, <laughs> The uh, what they can process or what their, their energy bodies are tapping into. So it's like, you know, uh, Sam, um, over the last couple of days, you know, it's become apparent that, uh, you know, she has this cosmic body um, and then a galactic body, a uh, solar system body, so to speak. And then there's this human body that's connected to an earth and, uh, then she has her own genetic blueprint, right? Which uh, kind of holds all of that together, you know, in a sense. So it's going to require us to look at the kids that way, you know, and not just uh, the autists, but more and more these sensitive kids that were born, uh, particularly after 2000, the year 2000, that a lot of these quote neurotypical kids are also wired kind of that way, and um, and so there are more kids that are having trouble in school that aren't quote necessarily autistic, but uh, they're having more trouble in school uh, because they're hitting these uh, what what I was shown was like these markers, you know, develop, um, developmental phases is what, what they said to, to call them. So like at four five, you know, there's a phase, uh, and then eight to 10, there's another one. And then, um, uh, when they hit, hit that prepubescent age of 12 or so, you know, there's another one and then there's full blown puberty. And, so at each of those stages, um, the brain is changing 
but now not only is the brain changing, but their uh, uh, connection to uh, the earth, uh, the solar system, you know, and maybe the planet. Some of the kids can feel the planets uh, moving or realigning. I mean, uh, this is what I was kind of shown or galactically, you know, the phase that we're going through galactically and then cosmically, you know, what's happening. And so particularly with the earth changes that's happening, all the ley lines that are opening up, uh, being reconfigured, cleared out, cleaned out. Uh, it's like, it's like so many, uh, energetic doors are open. And so it's, uh, distracting um and it can be disorganizing um for for them so we need to kind of keep this in the back of our minds as well that uh with these changes planetary changes that are really happening now uh it's going to be disruptive to more of our kids uh, oh, Chasm Brown, thank you. Uh, yeah, welcome. Oh, you're your teacher with Aramis? Wow, that's great. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for joining us. Um, so anyway, we need to be more, um, well, some of us, you know, we'll get it. Other parents are, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna be some hard knocks before they can, before they can get it, you know, but the fact that, uh, you don't need to necessarily be pushing them to, you know, memorize that thing. Uh, because again, seeing my, my older kids and how much they already knew, it's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> they'll, they'll get it, you know, what they'll get, what they need to, to know. Uh, and again, we have to change the education anyway, uh, the curriculum in particular about what's, what's important and what's not important. Um, the other piece is, uh, let's see. Uh, there's many pieces. There's many pieces here. So, um, is that the information is more energetic? So you may not need as many words. You know, how many of you are feeling like, you know, uh, like you read something, and it could be like one sentence, and it just goes, Pshew! you know, just blows your doors open. Uh, and it was like just one word or one sentence or the way that person happened to say it. And you get it, you know, you understand because the words have energy, you know, the concepts have energy themselves. So you may not need as many words to teach, you know, and some may still learn that way, uh, you know, where they're processing that energy through words, but there are others well, I think more and more, you're not going to need as many words uh, because energetically they may get it, you know, so you could be, so I'm seeing an example of like, you know, you're teaching a group of kids and then, uh, you know, you say something and then all of a sudden one of them gets up and they start, you know, circling or they start to, uh, you know, wander around. And it's like, it's because whoa, something just went off, you know, in their, uh, not just their brain, but we're processing now the knowledge through our energy field. We're understanding at a deeper level uh, than just the mind. 
you know, which is what, how they do mind control so many of us, so many people on the planet. So um, this is a good thing because we have to bridge that mind mental uh, processing with our physical, with our intuitive sense, you know? So, you know, maybe you'll be teaching a group of kids and then they all may start to get really excited because something just clicked for them, you know? And maybe the best thing to do in that moment uh, is to just let go of the lesson for that day. And it's like, okay, everybody, let's, I don't know, dance, run, you know, go swinging, you know, whatever you need to process that information because it's getting processed now in the body, the, the physical body and also the energetic body, uh, uh, the, the layers of the aura, you know? So, um, which is leading me now to uh, the part about, uh, let's see, see if I can unpack this in, in a sense. Um, uh, so like tapping into, you know, let's say their gifts, you know, so to speak. Um, some of us are made to actually design, you know, work with our hands and actually making the physical, the material world, you know. Well, there are some that are uh, building and designing in the pre-manifestation stages, the pre-manifestation templates, the sacred geometry. They build, they're building it before the manifestation. So learning to group kids together, let's say, you know, some who may be the actual physical doers, you know, and learning to pair them with or a group uh, with kids who are, who may, who may look like they're just sitting there, but they're designing something or they're helping to bring that information in from the cosmos, which is then gets translated galactically. And then, uh, then they're bringing that information in and it's, and then there'll be certain individuals who will say, okay, I know exactly what materials, physical materials we need to do that, you know, and they can design that, you know, we have architects and uh, structural engineers, you know, it's, it's sort of like that as well. But now energetically, there were like accessing different layers, multiple layers. This is the multidimensional human accessing, you know, almost too much information. Now it's going to be for a while. And what do we do with all that? And how do we process that? And how do we raise kids, our children now to process that and also then deliver that gift, right? Because we need them to grow up to change the technology. We need them to grow up to change the mathematics, you know, to, to solve the different mathematics. So how are we going to allow them to do that if we keep teaching them the same old thing and we require them to learn uh, in the way that we've been, we've been teaching them, you know? So um, this is the multidimensional human that's coming together. And uh, so the other part was, right, the sensory integration so what does what does sensory integration being able to make sense of all these all this information that's coming in now not just through our five senses but uh cosmically galactically the solar system our sun 
you know, the earth uh, and all of that, you know, it, it we, how do we bridge that all together? And what Sam was saying was that uh, we're, we're moving sensory integration, the process of sensory integration to uh, once they become adults is uh, omnipresent integration so that we're teaching them and we have to learn this too as ourselves as adults that what do you do with all of that what do you do with all of that information you know so uh, like i was having visions of um even um within their aura their different layers of their aura you know uh holding that information in you know and maybe learning to breathe and say okay i'm going to put it i'm going to put that information in this layer of my aura for now until I know what to do with it, you know, uh, until I can ground myself, uh, connect to the planet and stabilize myself. You know, it's, it's all of those things, um, particularly learning to stabilize ourselves, you know, as all this information is, is coming in. Um, do, 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 uh, uh, so yeah, nurturing, you know, our kids to be, a soul and spiritual being. So this is part of all of that, this multidimensional human. Um, da, 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 uh, oh, and that the earth, uh, you know, what's going to drive a lot of these changes as well is that the earth now is taking her place as uh, a cosmic galactic being herself. So, and we're made of earth matter and we, you know, reflect the earth. And so, uh, that's going to drive a lot of it. Um, into your words, uh, yeah, feeling state. Um, okay, there's this one piece about. Um, all right, I'm going to go to this piece about spiral time and uh, learning in you know in in spirals. Yeah, it's not linear uh, time or linear learning but spiral, you know, so meaning that, um, you know, and I think we're all doing that too. You may, so the example would be like, you know, you feel like you, you uh, had accomplished or you cleared out something or you uh, dealt with a past life memory or something and now it's coming back or pieces that you, that we may have uh, made leaps in consciousness, you know, suddenly you're like remembering, oh, I remember this happening, you know, 10 years ago or so. So we're like spiraling, okay, and picking up those pieces. And now you might be going back to Egyptian, Egyptian timelines or, you know, other timelines in Atlantis saying, okay, you're picking up that piece, that lesson, and we're spiraling, you know, we're spiraling. And so even learning uh, in a sense in this, uh, as this 3D human, well, not a 3D human, we're trying to move to 5D human, but um, that even learning, you know, it's okay to go back to a lesson, you know? So you may have students who are, uh, you know, middle school age and uh, suddenly they wanna go back to, um, you know, and, and keep it more fluid. You know, I mean, they may wanna join that group of kids uh, that are more in that uh, elementary age level and learn uh, that lesson again, because you're spiraling, you know, okay. What was that again? Because now um, as they're developing, they can process that information differently, 
you know, and I, and in all honesty, I've seen that with my uh, younger son's school when he was growing up, you know, they would repeat, you know, in um, the middle school, you know, uh, certain lessons that they learned and repeated, uh, but with a little bit more complexity, but, you know, there it was more linear. So this is talking about, yeah, thinking in spirals, you know, thinking about spiral time and what, what does that mean? We're not regressing, you know, we're, we're picking up pieces. We're continuously uh, picking up pieces, you know, and when we look at like the crystal spiral and how we manifest out, how we look at sacred geometry and how our flower blooms, you know, they're in spirals, they're spirals. And so the energy moves in spirals. And if we look at uh, how we're growing up, how we, how we grow up and even develop, um, you know, it's in kind of that spiral, spiraling pattern as well. Uh, okay. So there was a piece, um, there was a piece in here about also about uh, our, our males, right? Our boys growing up. Uh, and, you know, again, without that supervision, allowing them to kind of be out on their own, um, uh, as they grow up, then they can, you know, kind of get into more trouble and that aggressive masculine kind of energy, uh, that's going to start to change as well. Um, and learning how to direct that, uh, male energy and, uh, I'm not sure how to exactly explain this piece. Cause this is something that I was seeing, um, kind of briefly was, uh, that it, when you hit puberty, right, there's a lot that changes with our endocrine system. And there's um, something that happens to the vagus nerve that is supposed to enable um, that connection with our endocrine system and also the rest of our uh, neurology, the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system, especially the brainstem uh, and how information is processed. And it's almost like this uh, schism that's occurred to the human template uh, so that um, promotes then as, uh, you know, as our boys are growing up and there's all this uh, testosterone and uh, things coming online, um, that, that schism then, cause they don't know how to process it, process that energy of information, um, that it's been directed more in an aggressive way. So now as we start to, um, reintegrate, the, uh, this vagus nerve brainstem parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system, um, that uh, we're going to be learning how to help them uh, direct more of that male um, maleness energy. You know, I'm calling it maleness because you know females can have that as well, depending on you know the. Uh, well, I won't go into that because that can be a confusing topic. But I mean, I, so I think the people that are watching you, you know, you understand um, what I'm saying that uh, we need to learn 
or we're going to learn more strategies about uh, how that energy is processed. Um, so a lot of this, what uh, one of the things that we have to grasp is now, um, what do we do all, with all this new information that's available uh, and that's coming in really fast now and just, you know, I'm sure a lot of you have felt it too where you just feel like, when is this going to stop? We just feel like we're being slaughtered with uh, the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And what do we what do we do with how do how do we manage all of that information? And um, we're going to be uh, the adults ourselves. We're, we're going to have to figure out what yeah how to process that energy uh, of information. Um, how do we process it, you know, with the earth. It feels like a lot of it is this relationship with the earth that's going to help us learn to um, process it, process that energy, know where to direct it. And as the ley lines, what I'm seeing right now is that, the, is that as the ley lines change and open up, it's going to facilitate more of that. So we don't feel like we have to, you know, go punch somebody. Um, Although that there'll still be that going on here for the next few years, probably, but um, uh, we, we're we're going to have to learn how to uh, process that information differently because it really is all energetic. It is spirit. Uh, you know, some of you some of you heard me saying that now. Spirit and energy are really the same thing. You know, we've been talking about it as if it's two separate things. But they're really the same thing, and and it's it's uh, uh, it's what holds our reality together. It's what holds atoms together. It's down to the subatomic quantum levels that it's 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 spirit. And in this realm of uh, physical beingness, you know, this is the Christ spirit. This is Christ consciousness um, that is the living and animating force of our uh, dimensionalized system. So, uh, I think I, I hit on, um, yeah, I, I hit on all the, uh, the points that, uh, on my sticky notes here on the side. So I know this is a lot of, uh, probably energetic information. Again, this is like a transmission. And so how do you make this useful. <laughs> you know, I don't have a uh, specific tangible, like do X, Y, and Z at this point. Um, but it's talking points to um, get you start to, to start thinking and processing in your own, in your own way. Uh, so again, just like I was talking about with the kids and how do you process the information? You know, you might, you know, want to come back and just listen to sections at a time, what did, what does that mean? And what does that look like in the real world? You know, how do you do that? And I think it's going to be somewhat different for each person and in the area that you uh, live in. Um, you know, there's no pressure to try and do all of what I just talked about. Uh, because we're just kind of getting started. And I think this is part of laying the foundation for when uh, 
um, you know, we can really start to build something new, build new communities, because it, it is going to take uh, your local community as well in order to uh, make these educational changes, which is going to also drive the changes to um, uh, the local economic system, you know, in which we, in which we live. So, uh, you know, give yourselves time to digest, to process, take little bits at a time of what you feel inner, you know, within yourself of what you could implement, you know, yeah, what speaks to you, what piece calls you that you can do, and what other pieces do you think you would need from other people, you know, that you could draw to you uh, for these uh, for these projects. So uh, to develop a new education system, but um, definitely, I feel like we could we could uh, really eliminate this idea of special education and regular education. Um, in the next five, seven years, you know, if we, uh, again, slow things down, sensory integration, you know, let students process in the way, in the way that need, they need to process, um, get to know your own energy field, uh, you know, in the meantime. Um, so anyway, any other questions? Because I know this is, there's a lot of energy. Uh, like I said, I, I could barely get out of bed this morning because I could feel it. Uh, once I stepped up to say, okay, I'm going to do this, it was like, oh my gosh, well, I'm getting a huge download now. Um, so anyway, uh, you know, maybe I'll do it again if people are interested. Uh, maybe more of a, you know, question and answer people could pop in and um, uh, share experiences or, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe, you know, in a month, six months, six weeks, uh, two months, um, uh, maybe we could do something, you know, kind of on a Zoom call if people want or share their ideas of what their, uh, uh, their processing and questions and what their, uh, they might have, what their ideas are. Um, you know, again, it's going to take um, a collective humanity and uh, a collective local community to make the changes that uh, you know that are are upon us. So um, again, so thank you everybody. Thank you for joining. I know it's been an hour and it's uh, I know it's a lot of energy. So it's probably that's going to make you kind of tired yourself. But um, yeah, thank you everybody. For joining me and yeah would love to hear more about uh you know what inspiration or if you have are inspired uh what ideas you know are coming to you or what you've accomplished or what you were able to make happen you know that kind of thing so yeah okay thank you